Welcome to Spill the Tea, a bi-weekly download of life, liberty, and the latest in culture and news with your hosts, Dr. Robert McClure and Sal Muzo. Welcome to another episode of Spill the Tea. I am Sal Nuzo, Vice President of Policy with the James Madison Institute. With me is Dr. Bob McClure, our CEO. Uh, it's our last episode before it is. Christmas. So yep. Let's jump right in on the important topics of the day. Uh, three favorite Christmas movies. Oh my gosh. I'm so, uh, two of them are traditional, one of them less so. It's a Wonderful Life. I love that movie. My daughters hate it, it drives them nuts. They're so sad. I love uh, White Christmas and Elf. Those are my three okay. all-time you, favorites. You redeemed yourself on Elf. Elf uh, is in great. Ter- in love terms Elf. of aging yeah. yourself, yeah, you smell okay. Like beef and cheese. Yeah. I've got, I, <laughs> I've got, I've got, you know, uh, three main ones. Okay, so National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It will always get played uh, in the Nuzo household, starting at 8 p.m. Christmas Eve until 8 p.m. Christmas Day. It will be 24 hours of uh, a Christmas story. Uh, with uh, shooting your eyes out. Do you and own a it, leg lamp? I do not own a leg lamp, although I do have a set of glasses that have it on there uh, as, a, as a gift that was given to me. And, of course, the single greatest Christmas movie of all time. It is not Christmas until Hans Gruber falls from the 31st floor of the Nakatomi Tower. Die Hard. Okay, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Die Hard movie. is the greatest no. Christmas movie. No, this is as bad as the discussion of whether you put up your Christmas lights before Thanksgiving or after. Uh, Die Hard is not a Christmas Die movie. Hard is the ultimate Christmas movie, and we're going to end on that. Let's jump into inflation. Right. It continues to be horrible. Um you know, it, it was a major, major jump. The consumer price index, you see what's happening. Uh, Fed Chairman Powell came out just yesterday, talked about uh, at least three rate hikes uh, in the in the new year and reduction of the bond purchasing program by the Feds. Uh, he's eliminated the word transitory, even though we all should have eliminated it three months before he eliminated it. I mean, this has become a major problem for Joe Biden. He's quickly, quickly turning into Jimmy Carter. And, and, and we have not seen this level of inflation since those days. And so you have an entire generation that has come of age in an era of inflation under 2%. Right. And so seeing this now and seeing the impacts of real kind of real-time prices, people going to the grocery store. I was in California. California a couple weeks ago, and it was uh, $5.19 a gallon for regular unleaded gas. And the uh, one of the folks that I spoke with said it was in the fours earlier. Now, that's still incredibly high, but it's still a huge jump on gas prices. Right. I mean, prices in general across the board are up 7% from a year ago. But but when you just talk about energy, and you just yep. talk about health care, and you just talk about those kinds of things, it's far higher than 7%. And so, you know, you combine that with the fact that literally in the great state of Florida, we have the gr- one of the great greatest supermarket chains of all time, Publix. Publix. Uh, Publix has vacant shelves, and it is one of the best-run companies in the world. Yep. And you see people on social media taking pictures saying, 
What, there's no supply chain problem? There is. Yep, absolutely. And those gas prices, however, are not stopping people from traveling this holiday season. AAA is uh, saying about 101 million people will travel by automobile this holiday season, which is a huge jump from 2020. We're getting back to kind of the pre-COVID, pre-pandemic travel uh, kind of notes. Another six and a half, roughly, million are going to travel by air. That's a 300% jump from 2020. Uh, you've got another uh, couple of million traveling by bus, train, cruise. Uh, it's it's going to be kind of a, a, a return to normal in spite of those uh, kind of inflationary pressures on fuel. Yeah, it's fascinating. And you combine, all of that combined, it's nearly 110 million people moving about in just a couple of weeks. Obviously, uh, to us Floridians, no surprise here, Orlando will be the top destination for Americans. But Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and Tampa are also in the nation's top ten. It's it's amazing what's happening here. Yeah, I've heard uh, reports that when uh, Visit Florida comes out with their 2021 uh, travel figure statistics in, in 2022, that it will surpass the 2019 number, which we know 2020 was kind of an off year for travel because of the pandemic. And the amazing thing is that COVID, uh, despite the daily yep. panics of the media, of the Omicron virus or what they're going to run out of Greek alphabet letters here eventually. But despite that, it's not stopping people from traveling either based on the numbers you just referenced. But then look at the NFL. Then look at college football. People are gathering, and they're not going to put up with these mandates much longer. Which, as I mentioned, I was out in California a couple of weeks ago. California, I believe, is hosting the Super Bowl this year. And so you've got California potentially pursuing another mask mandate because of Omicron, and yet they're going to let 70,000 people gather in a stadium. I think we are entering the realm where kind of the everyday public person, the the everyday man or woman, so to speak, is it's just over for them. Right. I mean, you look at some of interesting polling numbers. You've got 80% of the people saying that they're not going to rearrange their plans based on the Omicron virus. You've got 64, 64% say that they're, they'll continue to do their Christmas mm-hmm. shopping in person. I mean, they're all eating at restaurants. The list continues. And so what what is happening is uh, people are that they're fed up, and you're yep. seeing it happen na- uh, internationally. You're seeing you know uh, protests in Australia and yeah. Great Britain, in Italy, in in places around the world, in Germany. Um, they've they've reached the point. How many more boosters do we need? How many more uh, breakthrough cases do we need before people say enough is enough? Yeah, and then you get to kind of you contrast that to New York City uh, requiring vaccinations for kids five years old and over. I, I mean, I don't know how a rational person who who's going through this, who has kids, looks at that kind of a mandate and says, yeah, I'm on board with that. I, I just don't get that. Quick trivia question for you, Sal, and for our listeners. Do you know how many viruses cause the common cold? I have no earthly clue. The number is over 200. So think about that. Over wow. 200 different kinds of viruses cause the common cold. So is COVID just like the new common cold where it's going to never going to go away? I think the answer is yes. Yeah. And and I think what we're going to kind of move into or transition into is a period where we accept it as it is. Everything that, that I have heard about Omicron is that while it is more highly transmissional, transmissible, the impact of it is 
far less than what we saw with Delta when we, we saw with the original uh, strain of, of the virus. So it, it's just seeming like that's going to be the case. But apart from the vaccines, the the way you protect yourself and your family are the same ways you did so with the flu years ago. You wash your hands. You don't get up in people's faces. You you know, you know take your vitamins. You get your sleep. You drink lots of liquids. You exercise. Right. And if you get sick, you stay home from work. Right. You, you know do what you need to do. But I think we're moving past the point at which um, for most people, with the exception of these, you know, the kind of the crazy tyrannical regimes of New York and California, people are just kind of accepting that we're transitioning now. And I think you're seeing it uh, at the political level as well. I think what happened in Virginia, what happened in New Jersey, the newly elected mayor of New York, yep, uh, who is the anti de Blasio, have have it. it People are reading the tea leaves, and now you have a very blue state like the state of Colorado, where the governor there essentially said that his name's Jared Polis declared that the coronavirus emergency was over in an interview. And that's a blue state right, right. now. Yeah. So, and then you, I think we're also seeing it kind of exemplified with what I can't remember if it was Governor DeSantis or somebody else had coined the phrase the blue state exodus, mm-hmm. which we know has been happening for a number of years. But I think the COVID response, especially in 2021, could just put it on supercharge. And so uh, two prominent media figures, Carol Markowitz in New York and Dave Rubin out in California, have both decided that they are relocating to uh, Florida. You also have, I just read the other day, Gordon Ramsay, of all people, who had his headquarters right. in California, is yeah. now relocating to Texas. Right. I, I, Joe Rogan, we yeah. talked about that. Yeah. I, I, this exodus has become more prominent, and it's going to be something that I think, as it continues, the media is just not going to be able to avoid it because the numbers are just going to be there. And I think it's really interesting, too, that we talk a lot at JMI about Florida being kind of a national example on school choice, on health care, on the tax and regulatory environment. But this is in real time the Florida story being a national example. People are leaving other states to move to free states. If it's not Florida, it's Texas. Mm-hmm. They're um, they are deciding to rebel against these draconian mandates. And imagine if if Florida had not remained open. Imagine if Florida had followed the state of New York. We There wouldn't be this shining example yep. for literally people around the world to say, look at Florida. Why are we having to do these kinds of things? And I mean, to that point, uh, you and I were just in Miami yeah. Yeah. Uh, at an international conference. International conference. Yep. Atlas Network and seeing people from Lebanon, from Sri Lanka, from all over Europe, from the Middle East, from Asia, kind of converging in Miami and the sentiment I just kept hearing over and over is, oh my gosh, it's like COVID is not anymore. And and that's something that I think people are finally waking up to the fact that if you give government emergency powers, there will always be an An emergency. emergency. Yeah, no. And it was amazing to watch these people come off the plane where most people are wearing masks, international people that you were just referencing, and, and walking into this hotel in Miami Beach, and there are no masks yep. unless 
you were already immunocompromised. Yes, yeah, exactly. Which is fair. Which is absolutely fair. But it was like they had they had reached Nirvana and they were just here in little old Florida. So uh, let's finish up on sports. Uh, I know we are entering into a great sports season of uh, kind of the the December into January and a number of different fronts. I think the the one thing Floridians and 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 uh, fans of the Jaguars are breathing a sigh of relief today. The long nightmare, or I mean, it wasn't really a long nightmare of Urban. It felt like a it long felt nightmare. like a long nightmare of Urban Meyer's reign uh, is over. Uh, he was released from his contract, I believe, uh, Wednesday night by Shad Khan. Uh, two things: one, I, I think there is this um, I, of note. I have not heard a single person that has ever worked with the man through his history at Boise State, at Utah. Florida, at Utah, at Ohio State, from the sports casting room. I have not heard a single person come up to defend this man right. at all. And that just says so much about kind of the decision that was made. It really does. I mean, it. It's. Uh, I, I was wrong. I actually thought it was a good hire at the time. I thought he would do a great job because he's a... He's an organizational guy. He'd hire the right people. Things would go well. Obviously, it was a complete disaster. I feel terrible for the Jags. They can't catch a break. Um, and I feel sorry for folks like Trevor Lawrence. More, so I yeah. think they're good, talented, decent people. They're just really stuck with the wrong people in charge. I really hope uh, that the Jags can get the right guy and really begin to develop. And it's one of those, you know, it, the, I think Jacksonville is always going to, for at least the foreseeable future, operate in the shadow of the Tampa Bay Bucks just with the success that sure, they've had. But it's one of those stories that you just want to have a good mm -hmm. ending, even though I'm not necessarily a you know a huge Jags fan. But uh, one of those ones where you just saw that happen over the period of the 15 weeks that he was coaching there, and, and it was just like a train wreck. Yeah. Um, we got uh, bowl season, the college football playoffs. Um, we've got Alabama, we've got Michigan, we've got Cincinnati, and Georgia. And, and Georgia. Yep. Uh, predictions. I think there will be one upset. I don't know who it is. I think Michigan is going to play Georgia. I don't think Alabama is going to be upset by Cincinnati. I think Michigan has a puncher's chance because of the Georgia quarterback situation. And Michigan is feels really good about where they are, having defeated Ohio State and having won the Big Ten. I think they've got a puncher's chance if they can just keep that D-line off of their quarterback. I'm with you completely, and, and I will go on record and say, and I'll offend a lot of people, I think Georgia was incredibly overrated this season. I think the SEC East was not as strong as it had right. been in I recent agree. years. I agree. And that's going to show in that, in that playoff game. Um, I think the big question is Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati had this kind of Cinderella story. They're the smaller school trying to get into the playoff. All right, you got the chance. Now show us what you can do. I just don't know if you can match Alabama's uh, athleticism I, and their just I'm with in their depth. I I'm, just don't yeah. think they can do it. But it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, college football is one of my favorite sports. I'm not an NFL guy until the playoffs, but yeah. I, I'm a casual follower of the NFL. But I love the college football game. We have. Uh, in days, we have the massive, uh, highly important Gasparilla Bowl yep. between UCF, uh, winners of apparently a national, national championship. championship. <laughs> Mythical, I will say. As a Gator, I will say. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and the University of Florida, 
what's your prediction there in the Gasparilla Bowl? I think with the with the firing of Dan Mullen, the hiring of the new coach, um, uh, was Kilby, Billy Napier, Napier, Napier yeah. in Florida. Um, I think there's a whole lot of transition going on there, and I wonder if they're going to be able to hold it against UCF. My pick is for uh, for UCF. Yeah, I think it's going to. I agree with you. I mean, all those coaches, none of them are being retained by yep. Napier, so they're all looking for jobs. A lot of guys hitting the transfer portal at UF. The only thing I think that could save them is the sheer talent level and the fact that UCF has had some serious injuries. Uh, and, you know, Florida might will themselves to an ugly victory like they did against FSU. I think it's going to be that kind of ugly game. I'm not sure uh, there'll be quite the onside kick that there was uh, against uh, when uh, FSU you, was Oh, you had to throw that yeah. one in there. But I think it's going to be that kind of ugly game. Florida may eke it out 24-21. You know, we'll see. I think you have a point, though. We'll see. And and, and kind of following up on, on college sports, it's National Signing Day or yeah. Early Signing Day. Uh, I think the biggest note um, that we saw was uh, the, the young guy from, um, uh, what was it, Hunter? Um, yes. Who, who uh, we thought was going to be picking between maybe Georgia and Florida State. Florida State saw that they were, you know, kind of in the running. Yeah. We had a lot of hope. Uh, and lo and behold, in comes primetime from yeah. Jackson State, swallowing him up. What I'm hearing is it was a big name image likeness deal that Jackson State was able to help facilitate. This kid's going to get a big payday. And a documentary you know, apparently uh, is in the works yeah. on Jackson State and on him. I, I think the landscape of the NIL movement is the wild, wild west. I also think the NCAA is completely incompetent, like most bureaucracies. So there, I don't know where this ends. You're seeing the University of Texas has set up a nonprofit, a foundation that guarantees signed offensive linemen. It's either forty or fifty fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, think about that from an NIL perspective. Yep. Texas A and M is going to have to match that. Where does the rest of the SEC go? You know, there's money, and then there's Texas money. So we'll see what happens. There. And, and to that end, kind of taking it back to Florida, uh, was uh, had the chance to chat with uh, Representative Chip Lamarca, who championed the NIL bill from a couple of years ago. Not it is completely not a or completely coincidental, but he had been working on an update to the Florida law because currently Florida universities cannot help facilitate that. It's kind of a an anomaly within the right. text of the statute. So um, that's something where uh, hopefully Florida schools uh, will be able to kind of uh, get on that train because otherwise, uh, like you said. When big-time schools are able to set up those things, it's going to be uh, something where Florida's just not going to be – Florida schools are not going to be able to hold hold water. That's right. No, I, I completely agree. It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting going forward. Well, uh, that is a, a great uh, kind of good note to land on for our last episode of 2021. I uh, would like to thank our listeners. Uh, thank you, Bob. Thanks uh, to Logan, who uh, kind of manages this and makes us sound good each uh, – right. Each and every other week. Right. Logan Padgett. That's right. Our Director of Communications and Public Affairs. And so we look forward to uh, to bringing you a, another episode of Spill the Tea coming in 2022. Wishing everybody a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, and a Happy Holidays. Thank you for listening to Spill the Tea. For more content from the James Madison Institute, Follow us on social media or check out our website at jamesmadison.org.